0: organizing this series, um, we're going through the, the different times that Jesus ate. Uh, it's kind of a strange thing, I guess, but, um, but why not? And it left me with a conundrum. And that is, uh, well, a couple actually, but, but particularly one that affects today's message, was that um, I wanted to include two different stories. The problem being, they're not the same event, but they're almost identical in makeup. How about that? I really like this. There's just like a couple of details different. Like, I really want to do this one, but I really want to do this one. And I don't know what you want to do, so we're going to get a a, a double. We're going to get a two for today, because I couldn't decide. So uh, there's just kind of a few little things that are, to me, interesting in in each one. So uh, one more note. Uh, Last week we served up a a little heavier of a dish. You know, sometimes you come to, to church and you get a porterhouse, Right? And It's like, oh, that's going to take some time to to digest. And I understand that emotionally that was uh, uh, a little bit heavier uh, of material. Um, even as I prepared it, I wasn't expecting it to come out the way it did. So, so we're going to lighten our entree this week. It's going to be like a, a light pasta maybe or something like that. So, uh, But fortunately, Jesus always cooks something rich for us. Our first guest, we're going to, to get into it. As you notice, we have a, a lot of tabs today. We're not just in one text. We're going to kind of skip around it, and, and we're going to introduce it, and then we're going to leave it, and you're wondering where in the world I went. Um, that is to be expected. Uh, Matthew chapter 9 is our text, our, our opening text. Matthew 9. I didn't put a tab for that. I don't know why. Uh, so, so, all right, we've got tabs that are closed. And we're going to read verse 9 through 13. Matthew 9, uh, verse 9 through 13. Saved. He says, As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. He said to him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and, and his disciples. And when Jesus saw it, Uh, They said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. So go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. To repentance now this seems fairly straightforward and as we said we're, we're not going to focus on the, the things that always get mentioned when we uh, when, when we talk about these the the, the obvious lessons uh, typically the ones that Jesus states we're going to kind of uh, go off of that and learn some and, and see some other things in these stories uh, we obviously know the the degrees of, of sin and I know all sin is sin, but, but even Jesus acknowledges that there are different levels of, of things that people have been forgiven from. Um, and, and we kind of even talked about that last week um, with the woman and, and comparing her with Simon the Pharisee. Um, once again, we, we notice some similarities to last week, but we're going to notice a, a different structure. And we are going to come back to this in a, in a second. Uh, we see Pharisees present and things like that. We 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 don't see that this guy is a Pharisee though. Uh, this is Matthew. He's going to be one of the apostles, and um, he's been called to be a disciple already. And and we don't know where in this process it is, but but uh, probably he's just throwing a, a a thanks type of a meal. Last last week we saw a slightly different aspect with with this woman, uh, but. There, we want to leave this and, and go through a list of verses and kind of establish something before we come back to our point. And, and so we're going to be, I'm going to be, if you want to write these down, you can. I'm going to kind of go a little bit uh, faster. We'll explain some things as we go. But um, Matthew chapter 12, verse 46. Matthew 12, verse 46, he says... Um, while he was still talking to the multitudes, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. And one said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. And, and, and so I read that and you're wondering if like last week I've misplaced the verse. Right? Like, uh, we went through the scripture hunt last week. Uh, I haven't misplaced that verse. I, I kind of want you to, to understand <clears throat> one thing. Um, this verse... Uh, was used, and, and I was taught how to use this verse. I was taught that, that uh, when you, if you talked with someone who is uh, from a Catholic background, uh, that, that this verse, because one of the things that, that they teach uh, and, and believe in, uh, a doctrine that came up probably several hundred years after Christ, was the idea that Mary remained uh, celibate for her entire life. And I was taught that this verse was a handy verse to pull out, just kind of a smoking gun. Because Jesus had brothers, that kind of gets hard to do. Uh, However, we're going to see that that is actually not a proper use of this verse. um, And I will explain why. I'm going to establish, in fact, I'm not going to touch... Uh, Mary's marital life, I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't want to know. That's too much information for me. Uh, however, what I can establish is that, uh, and we will kind of as we go through all these verses, Jesus did not have, like my brother Tom lives in, uh, lives in Japan. He did not have a brother like I have a brother Tom. Right? Uh, he did not have that kind of brother. We're going to talk about who these brothers are, and they were real people. That is not a figment of imagination, uh, but exactly who were these brothers? Now, the word brother is kinsman uh, and, and I want you to keep that in mind as we, we go through we 're going to be in mark six, two and three and in just in, a, in just a second. I, I went to uh, when we moved to Ukraine uh, we we would hear about all these large families because everybody we would talk to would talk about their brother or their sister. And I have this brother and I have this sister. Like, wow, they, they have lots of brothers and sisters. And, and it's like large families. And then you go over to their house and there's no brothers or sisters there. Where's all these brothers and sisters you told me about? Well, in Russian, it's kind of interesting, the word brother is the word cousin. Right? It, they have one word. Right? Now they can use a longer phrase to talk about what kind of a brother, a close brother, or is it a, what they call... Like, like we have second cousins, and we just call them cousins. That's the way they do with brother. They have second brothers and third brothers, and those are cousins and second cousins. Like, it kind of works the same way. But it's just the word brother. And Hebrew works the same way, and Greek kind of works the same way. They just have brothers, right? Uh, so you'll see uh, brethren, right, all the time. The, the apostles talk about brethren. Oh, well, they were all Jews. That's why they were brethren. They were brothers. They were kin Right? And so there's degrees of kin. And it could refer to a brother, like you know Peter and Andrew, or James and John. It could refer to that, but it might not necessarily. And that's where we're going to get into. And I know you're like, Matthew, we'll come back to that. We'll get back to Matthew, I promise. Uh, Mark 6, 2 and 3, uh, <clears throat> he says, Now when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogues, and many were hearing him, were astonished, saying, Where did this man get uh, these things from? And what wisdom is this which is given to him? That is That these kind of mighty works are performed by his hands. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Uh, Judas and Simon, that's important. Actually, order is important. They ordered their... Kids by age. They would always list kids by age. And now you're thinking that I've just proven myself wrong. Right? Because now we have the names of his brothers. That's important. These names are very, 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 very important. Uh, I want you to notice some things about these names as we go through. Right? But first, I want to explain this one thing. When we, we talked about details in the Bible, and we can sometimes connect things that aren't there, and we want to stay away from those main roads that don't connect. Right? You, you, you can't get to this Bible verse from this Bible verse. And that is a danger. However, we do understand that when details are given, right, they're not there to make the picture cloudier. That's for sure. Uh, especially when locations are given. Or, or, or names of, of which person. That they're identifying for the reader who the person is, right? So, so we're going to look at some names, and, and these are there for clarification, right? Guys are notorious at this, especially, right? Yeah, you listen to a guy tell a story, and by the end of the story, you don't know what the story is, but we make sure the details are right. Well, it must have been 2005, because Adelaide wasn't born yet, so, so, and I get lost in the details. I'm like, would you just tell me what happened, right? Like Just tell me, no, no, you know what? It was because, uh, no, she was because she was there. That, uh, and, and we get lost in the details because we want it to be clear that whatever the story is, you know what year it happened and, and how, exactly how many of our children were born. And we have to get the details right. We have to be clear. That's the way guys tell stories. I don't know if girls tell stories like that. But I know guys are like that when we tell stories. And the writers of our Bible were guys. So... This is the way that they tell stories. They want you to know who and where. And so this list of names is important. Why is this list of names important? And I want to notice three specific. James, Judas, and Joseph. These three names are going to be important as we go through this. And we're still going to get back to Levi, I promise. I want to talk about the women at the cross Matthew 15, 40. At the cross, there's different ways that the different writers chronicle who is standing at the cross. And it's interesting. We know Mary, of course, was there and and, and various other ones. But in Mark 15, 40, uh, he details exactly who's there. He says, there were also women among uh, on from uh, looking on from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the Less, and Joseph. Well, oh, I've seen those. Right? James and Joseph. Well, that's interesting. Mary the mother of James the Less and Joseph. You notice she's not called Mary the mother of Jesus. That's interesting. And Salome. Now we do know that Mary. The mother of Jesus was there as well. And she's in addition to Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, who we've just seen. There's the brothers of Jesus. A different mother. That is interesting. Um, John chapter 19, verse 25. John 19, verse 25. Same, same event, but he chronicles it different. John 19, 25, and we're still going to get back to Levi. I promise. Now, there stood at the cross of Jesus his mother. So we have. And his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas. Wait a minute. This guy, John, identifies this Mary by a different... Instead of identifying this Mary by her children, he identifies this Mary, this other Mary... By her husband, important detail. Clopas is interesting because Clopas is a, it's a um, and I'm going to get these backwards unless I consult my notes, it's an Aramaic name, and it means exchanges. Peter and Cephas are Aramaic right, and Greek. Right? A lot of times they would use a, a Hebrew name and an Aramaic name, or they had various translations. This is an Aramaic name. It has a Hebrew or Greek equivalent. The Hebrew is Alpheus. Clopas and Alpheus, the, they mean the exact same thing. In other words, Mary is the wife of a man named Alpheus or Clopas. Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. And you know what I'm going to say, so I won't say it. Matthew chapter 20, verse 2 through 4. When he had agreed... um, I did it again, didn't I? I did it. That is wrong. Matthew 10. I know it. I knew it. I knew where I was supposed to be. That's fortunate. Typo. Matthew 10. 2 through 4. Now, these are the names of the 12 apostles. Simon, who is called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and who? Huh. James and Levius. who we will find is Judas. Again, two names, different languages. What, what names did we say were important? This Mary, who's the wife of Alphaeus, has four sons, three of whom we said were really, really important in figuring things out. James, Joseph, Judas, Simon. Simon is apparently not mentioned anywhere. But these three boys somewhere are mentioned elsewhere, and two of them become apostles. They're not Mary's. They're, they are Mary's sons. Just not that Mary. A different Mary. Popular name, as you notice. A lot of Mary's running around the Bible. These are cousins of Jesus to some degree. I don't know first cousin, second cousin, I don't know what. So we're going to get back to where we want. We've established, I think, a little bit of importance. That, that Jesus had relatives. And, and this is not just details, for the point of details. D- these have been established, I think, for a reason. In fact, it's interesting, when when uh, these men will write books of the Bible, James will write a book of the Bible. He was he was the elder, in, in or the head apostle, I guess, if you will, uh, in Jerusalem. Now, it wasn't James... Uh, of Zebedee, because he had been killed. Uh, he, was, uh, he, was, he was already dead. He was the, the first of the apostles to die. So, so it's uh, Jesus' cousin, relative, whatever, the son of Alphaeus, who is, is leading the church. Not Peter, by the way. A different story. Uh, and he calls himself a, a servant. He doesn't address himself even as a brother. It was kind of like, I don't want to take too much here. And Judas, when he writes his book, we call it Jude... He says, I'm a brother of James. He he doesn't reference. He he didn't want to take too much on himself. Like, oh, I'm really important because, you know, I'm a relative. They were very humble. And that's interesting. Mark chapter 2, verse 13. Mark chapter 2. Is this story in a different he went out again by the sea and all the multitude came to him and he saw them and as he passed by he saw Levi the son of Alphaeus not even mentioned in the list we're going to talk about why. When the the people came to see Jesus, they said, is this not the carpenter? And and we know his relatives. You notice they did not list Levi. We need to talk about why they did not list Levi. That seems to be a, a notable exception to this list. Levi was a tax collector. We need to know why, that's horrible. Right? Whenever Jesus was was accused of of you know the scum of the earth that he hung out with, it was the ones like we talked about last week and tax collectors. They were particularly notorious people. And explain why they were notorious people. You know, to be a tax collector wasn't simply to work in the IRS. Right, that, that it, it. I mean, you know, I suppose that if we saw someone, who oh, I work for the IRS, would go, mm, you know, mm. it had more significance than that. Um, so to work in the IRS back then for Rome, it meant that y- you work for the enemy. Right? <clears throat> you might as well work for the KGB. Right? go back to the 80s and imagine meeting somebody that worked for the KGB. You might, that might be a little bit of closer feel for the way they looked at him, but, but it was worse than that. Because you had to pay them money to give to the enemy. And that's how they made their living. Right? They come up to you and say, your taxes are due. So now you have to give. And the way Rome worked it is they, they let countrymen do this job. What kind of people do you think that that attracted Disgruntled people, maybe people who couldn't make a living doing something else, Uh, people who are not really fond of, of, or or who you're not fond of in in society, for whatever reason, uneducated, whatever thing it is. But if you weren't liked before you took that job, you were definitely not liked after you took that job. You were a traitor. You took money from a Jew and gave it to Rome. Oh, and by the way, you got to skim off the top. You got to add a little bonus to yourself. And they did. Not a big surprise why when they came to him, they did not mention Matthew. They don't like the guy. Oh, we know that guy. He's got brothers. We know his brothers. Uh, not Matthew. We pretend he doesn't exist on the planet. Right? That, that's kind of how it works. And, and, and when, when Matthew, when they write the list of apostles, Matthew doesn't include himself as a son of Alpheus even, along with James and Judas. That's his self-esteem talking. He's not got a great self-esteem, and you can imagine that. Because he gets up every day and knows what he does. You ever done that? You ever got up and, and, and gone to work or done something and you know, you're like, I'm really not proud of what I do? Maybe you haven't. Like, no, I've never really done that. Okay. Have you ever had something in the back of your mind and it circulates around there and you're not proud of it? Okay, that's probably more I, I can identify with that. Every day, he does his job with self-hatred. That's this guy. Now, we ask ourselves the same question. Why are the Pharisees at his party? This wasn't a setup. He's not a Pharisee. We talked about that. Jesus had already invited him to be one of his followers. And then Jesus is a relative of some sort. We don't know, again, what kind, how close this is. But I think this, this instance, still there's an there's a, a influx situation with Matthew, if, I, if, I, if I'm reading this right. And again, this is just how I'm looking at it. That he's trying to impress people. When you don't got friends, you use what means you have to impress them. Right? We lived in Ukraine, and Adelaide would go out. And, and there's a, it's not that they were, well, there was one really mean girl, but um, she, there's a language barrier. And she is a social animal, if you've not got that. She's a social animal. She goes every week and she pets kitty cats, right? She, she, she likes to be around and, and, and do... Uh, and, uh, so what did she have? So she went and she used what she had, which was her dollies. And... and um, my mom came over to visit and they made dolly clothes with the, the girls in the neighborhood. And the They've never done that before. Maybe my mo- mom likes to sew and all that. So, so they made dolly clothes. And it, it, she'd take her dolls out and, and that was how she gained friendship. She used what she had to try to gain some friendship in a community. And that's Matthew. Doesn't have a lot of friends. You think? And he doesn't have much to offer. What does he have? He's got money. And he's got no one to enjoy it with. And so he's throwing on lavish parties. He's in transition. Yes, Jesus is there. Jesus is the guest of honor. <clears throat> but he's, he's trying to do something to get attention. So many people in that world around us trying to use what they can be liked because they don't think much of themselves and so this is where we meet our second guest Luke chapter 19 how many of you have ever had a guest invite themselves you ever do that can't believe that well how many of you ever invited yourself you ever done that You're in good company, because Jesus did it. Luke 19, 1-8. Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector. And he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd, because he was a short stature. Now, at this point, I do apologize if I sing... Accidentally, this, from here on, I can't read this without it sounding like I'm singing. So I do apologize in advance. So he ran up ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree, where he was going uh, to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, and said to him, Zacchaeus. Make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. (sighs) Okay, got through it. So he made haste, came down, and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He's gone to be a guest with a man who's a sinner. So Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because he's also a son of Abraham, but the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Interesting detail. I just I I've not noticed this before just now. Is that he's if I've taken anything by false accusation, so in other words, if I've falsified one of the if I've audited anybody and I kind of fibbed a little bit about what they had and perhaps estimated them on the high end of things so that I could get more, I'll pay it back. That's interesting. I didn't really, it's just not really neither here nor there. But um, Other interesting observations. When uh, virtually every, no, no, every so often, our kids will come up to us after church and they will ask, Can I go over to Eli's house? I now have the wisdom uh, to ask if they were invited, or because I know what's going on. Like, you ask your dad, I'll ask mine. Right? I know that there's a good chance that my son has invited, then he's going to say, I'm sure, assuming, and then he's going to go, my dad said I could go to your house, can I come to your house? I know how that's going to work, right? is <laughs> just how it happens. So now I have, I, I, I'm in on, the, on what's going on. But at least our kids have the audacity to, you know, they they have the presence of mind to ask. Jesus noticed that he doesn't ask. I am going. That was like, say, "Well, Jesus didn't invite him. I mean, he, he like gave his own invitation. Like, I am coming. Like, I have RSVP'd. I didn't send that out. Yeah, well, too bad. I am coming. I must go to your house today. Right, is impressive. Now, how do you picture this meal? Anybody have a mental picture? I, just a mental picture of how this meal goes. Does anybody kind of, you, you read stories and you kind of, you know, you, you feel, your brain fills in the details. I don't know if you have this. I picture a bachelor. I always picture a short bachelor. I don't know. He's probably, I don't know if he's married, has kids. I don't know. I just picture a bachelor. And I picture him like, ah you know, like the way I would be if like someone important is coming. I'm like, oh, what do I got? Like, you know, he's making like peanut butter and jellies. Hope you like it. (laughs) You know, this is what I got. Peanut butter and jellies and you know, Fritos or whatever. This is supper. I just that's how I picture it. And verse nine might show that I'm I'm a little bit off. Uh, um, he says, Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house because he, he also is a son of Abraham. So I don't know if he's talking to somebody else and he seems to be mentioning him in third person. So maybe the disciples are with him. I don't know, but I picture a small gathering at the most. We don't have a lot of other people. This, this is kind of the only reference that we have of Jesus eating a meal where it was... Damn, it's not, this is not the, the community is, is here. And we got the sinner's table, and we have the elite's table, and we have the, this table. It's just, I'm going to your house. And that's all I know. He's a tax collector. Same boat as Matthew. And he's short. Well, I'm guessing that if it's mentioned that he's short, he's not just short like every Jew is kind of short. You no? Know? Like he's really short. I don't know. I'm not not going to say he's like a midget or whatever, but he's just exceptionally short. And another note of interest. Um, oh, we already covered just kind of the small group setting. And I want to make some conclusions. Like Matthew, we know he's an outcast because he's called a sinner. And that's by the people around him oh he's going to that sinner's house and he appears to be pushed to the fringe of society maybe not because of being a tax collector maybe this is kind of the other way around maybe he was pushed to the fringe of society because of his height maybe just kind of an odd guy And that's why he took the opportunity. You ever think of that? This is a chance. Remember high school when you... <laughs> pay up. Looks like you made a lot of money this year. You, you might owe the... You might owe Rome a little bit more than you said. And guess what? You can't do nothing about it. You know what the penalty is for... Doing something to a collector of Roman taxes? Yeah, that doesn't end well. So he's got the full force of the Roman Empire behind him. You, you don't touch him. He can do anything he wants. He was a rich guy. I mean, just look at what he's willing to pay back. He's got money. And so. He's got a lot of baggage, not just from what he's done, but from his identity. Who am I? People don't even look at me. I mean, my, my employment's enough, but they don't look at me. Who? Where? He's, he's a nobody. And so it is interesting the way Jesus approaches him. And see, he's got to invite himself, because this man would never invite Jesus. He has no self-worth. He would never dare think that he even belonged. Like, I will just get a glimpse through the fence, from the tree, wherever. I just stand and look. Like, in a separate world... Jesus isn't really interested in a big setting. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying he was the only one there. But he is interested in a setting where, G, where, where Zacchaeus can't do his disappearing act. And just meld into the group. You're not going to get away from Jesus that easy. You and me are having a conversation. You're not going to just kind of hide and observe. This guy has to have Jesus' attention. Now, I don't, I'm not saying that Jesus never went to somebody's house, but it's just the only one that I can think of that is similar. And Jesus addresses his identity there in verse 9. We read it. Today, salvation has come to this house. Zacchaeus has lost something. He's lost his identity because he also is a son of Abraham. And this guy's lost that idea. And everybody else around him has lost that idea too. He's a Roman. He works for the Romans. He might as well be Roman. Eh? He's one of God's. Still under the Old Testament at this point. He's still a son of Abraham. He still has. He was still made in the image of God. I don't care what his choices are, and, and I don't care about his physical attributes. He was made in the image of God. And That's how Christ approaches him. That's how Christ approaches both Matthew, addressing their identity. <clears throat> You are important because you're a child of God, not because you're related to me, not because you're, you're willing. He doesn't say salvation has come to this house because he was willing to give back half his goods. He doesn't say that about Zacchaeus. He says because he's a son of Abraham, because he was made by God, period. That's why he has value, not because of what he's done. We think so often that our self-worth is based on what we've done. That's, that, that's what Matthew and Zacchaeus' self-worth was based on in their own mind. I'm horrible because of what I've done. And Jesus says, no, it, it's not really about what you've done. It's about who you are. Why did Jesus go to these men's homes or invite them or however the stories well he didn't go for the great food right there's a statement in the Sermon on the Mount that that has puzzled me and um, he says blessed are the poor in spirit that's the one out of all of them I get the rest of them I understand the rest of them, this one I struggle with. Now I always thought it just meant like, well, I guess you're kind of humble. I, I've never thought of it as, you know, that people poor in spirit, literally to have a the lack of spirit of something, of you know, the poor, would, would be, that, that God would consider that a great attribute. But these men had humility because their self-worth was so low. In other words, because they, their self-worth was so low, Christ could do something with them. They, they weren't way up here in the elites. They had horrible self-esteem. And God says, okay, well you're down here, while you're down here, I can take that and I can make something with it. Well, we don't, that's not the goal, is to stay down there. But the goal is to repair... When you're poor in spirit, you can't pretend. You can't pretend you're some great thing. And these are the people that Jesus repaired. He fixed them, he mended them. And he says, I have no interest in, in, in fixing people who don't need it. I'm a doctor. I've come to fix broken people. Jesus doesn't come each week because the food is great. I mean, this is the food. Jesus didn't come because that's wonderful. Thank goodness that it gets a little bit better next week, right? But it's still not going to be great. Just saying. It can seem like opposites. Humility and pride, right? Do Do we think of those as opposites, humility and pride? there's really a fine line that separates them. And then I want to leave with one thought here. There's something we do frequently that I would like to challenge us to do something different. And I hear this a lot, whether it be in communion exhortations. If you've said this, I don't remember. I don't remember those kind of details, but it's frequently talked about when we come for communion we One of the things we want to do is remember, you know, and think about our sin. I would challenge you that the Last Supper is mentioned in four locations. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, not John, but 1 Corinthians 11. Read those. You'll see eight references to things that we are supposed to remember. And not one of them is our sin. I know 1 Corinthians 11 says to examine yourself, but we could get into 1 Corinthians 11, and maybe sometime we will. But there is only eight references to things you're supposed to be thinking about specifically, and all of them are not you. He says, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. me. Do this in remembrance of 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 me. What do you think he wants us to be thinking about? Not me. And we we come here and I think about how bad I was. Jesus said, did I ask you to think about you? I didn't come for the wonderful food. I came here so I could have a relationship with you. He came to Zacchaeus' house and he did not talk once about how bad Zacchaeus was. I'm not saying that there's not a time to think about our sin or whatever, but I'm just saying it's almost pride in a weird, strange way that, that makes us come here to remember Jesus and think about me. We come and just try to not think about me for a moment. And worship Christ. His death, which is for sin, I understand. And His resurrection, that was powerful. It's not just a sad time. It's just, it's, it, it, we do it on Sunday. It's, it's, it's when we celebrate a victory. That's why Christ comes and has a dinner with the lowest of the low to celebrate victory. To say that, you know what, I I don't care what things you've done. They need to be addressed. I don't want to say I don't care about it, but you were made to be fit for a king. Forget the meal. You are fit for a king. Does that feel strange to say? I encourage you to repeat that to yourself if it sounds like you shouldn't be saying it. Because a king came and had dinner with people that most people think are the lowest. I am fit for a king. Because Christ said so and because God made me.